0: So I'm super excited to let all of our listeners know that we have our first sponsor. And this is a big deal for me. It's a big deal in many ways, but the most important thing is that I wouldn't choose a sponsor that I didn't believe in. And our sponsor is Denny Tato. She is the president of Corporate Consciousness and she uses a tool called the Enneagram. And if you don't know what the Enneagram is, it's an amazing assessment and it really helps in building emotional intelligence. I've used it. My husband has used it. I've recommended it to teams and to clients. But it's not just the tool. It's really more than that. It's Denny. Denny has this innate ability to coach teams and individuals. I know this because I coach others too. So take it from me. She's pretty amazing. So if you want to develop your greatest asset, your employees, you're ready to take it to the next level, check out corpconsciousness.com.
1: I think the first thing that um, is not going to come as a surprise to anyone is that the brain craves certainty. And so obviously, I mean, everyone can attribute to the fact that we are living in a very uncertain time. And so it's really threatening to the brain. It's very hard for it to manage. Failing. 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 I know. When we talk about failure. Some battles you feel like you lost. And survival. Some battles you feel like you win. It's tough. I, I had to make some decisions. We've all
0: faced failure, but what steps do we take to launch ourselves into success? I'm Sarah Brown. There is life. That's a blessing. Achieve your dream. And then what we do with it. And this is Failing Forward. Welcome, everybody. This is our first, very first live podcast. And I first want to give a huge thank you to Gwyn. Gwyn Sound is providing us with these lavaliers. They're helping us record this, so I'm really excited. Also, if you're looking to start your own podcast, I recommend Highly Gwyn Sound. I have referred, uh, I think it's now five people, five new businesses there to them. So I'd love to keep it coming, so please use them. I want to welcome Sarah Heisdew. She has been on my podcast before. She's a friend and she's a great coach to me, too. Uh, When I started to get interested in neuroscience and brain science, she was the one that I first met with and she talked to me. We talked about it for hours. It was so interesting. And uh, this got started because last. Tuesday before all this corona started it was like right before it started i woke up and i was really anxious i was in the shower i was worrying about money the stock market all these things and i thought my god if i'm worrying about this i know there are so many other people that are worrying about it too and so i said i really said a little prayer like okay god what what can i do to help and uh I texted a group of friends, and one of them, Aisha Armstrong, wrote a wonderful article that's on LinkedIn, if any of you want to look at that, on how to manage this. And then I texted Sarah and said, I think you should come back to the podcast because you can really give us some logical tips that can help so many people manage this stress in a really positive way. So Sarah Heisdew, she is a neuroscience coach and the owner of Gray Matters, and a friend to me, so I want to welcome you back.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So let's start first
0: on, with everything that's been happening, what's the first tip or trick that you think can help people in managing this?
1: Well, I want to start with just a little bit of context. I know neuroscience is is a big buzzword now, and there are so many discoveries on it. But And you know I love to talk about the brain. But there is a legitimate reason why, and I think it's important to talk about the context of why it's so important, that the types and significance of discoveries happening today about the brain can be compared to that of Einstein in physics, right? His theories fundamentally change the way we view the world just as neuroscience is doing today. And I know that sounds really grandiose, but it really boils down to the very simple fact that if we know more about our brain, we can help make determinations of how to be better informed and make better choices. So to your point, I think there are a lot of tips, but I think the overarching thing, the takeaway that I'd wanna give is the more you can know about how your brain operates, the better choices you can make. And so that's really what I know when you called me, that's what we thought would be helpful is to just share just some basic background um, on it, right? So uh, I think the first thing that um, is not gonna come as a surprise to anyone is that the brain craves certainty. And so obviously, I mean, everyone can att- attribute to the fact that we are living in a very uncertain time. And so it's really threatening to the brain. It's very hard for it to manage. And so we all know that uncertainty is uncomfortable, but based on the anxiety and the stress that we feel. But what most of us don't know is there's a lot of physical impacts to the brain as a result, right? So, so for example, you're familiar with the stress, stress response, right? Fight or flight, but then I think they've added another one, freeze. Yes, yes. So, but think about that, fight or flight. And so, when we are maybe presented with a situation like I'm walking down a dark alley and I hear footsteps behind me, then that is called the stress response, right? I have a physical danger coming at me. And so your body is basically stopped and preparing yourself to fight or take flight, right? And so that response, basically, the brain tells the body the adrenal glands to submit adrenaline, and it submits cortisol throughout your body. So you can physically feel that in your, your body. But the interesting thing and the kicker is that our brain actually treats social threats in a very similar way, right? And so a social threat could be considered um, something with... Uh, the certainty, right? Hold on. Did your child just show up in the house? That is amazing. Sorry. It's like trying not to. uh, Anyway, so but the certainty is one of those. It's it's basically one of our five basic needs that we have. Um, And when I say basic need, I mean, when we have certainty, we feel good we feel rewarded. We feel reward chemicals, right? Whether it's serotonin, dopamine, but when we don't have certainty in the absence of it, we feel threatened. And that's when we have cortisol or the adrenaline going through our bodies. And what's important about that is it it impacts our logical thinking. And so um, you probably find some impacts right now, like very similar to what you're saying about your scenario of I woke up, I was in the shower, I was thinking about this, I felt anxiety about the market, this. I think people are probably noticing they have a hard time focusing. They probably find they have a hard time with a number of things that are normally not hard for them, and that's because the brain has cortisol in it, and it's literally putting all your resources towards physically trying to help you versus the logical mental side.
0: Okay, so our cortisol is really high right now. Correct. Whether we some might whether we know it or not, because I've talked to some people who are like, "I'm pretty, f- I'm pretty okay." Yeah, and I think some of them are if they're like okay with being homebodies. Like my sister, she loves being home. Yeah, yeah. But I also know that there are other stressors, like her three children being at home. Yeah, like the fact that her daughter isn't going to graduate this year. I mean, she'll graduate, but she doesn't have a graduation. Yeah. So the cortisol is high. Also, it is high with kids too going on right now. So
1: talk about how we can help ourselves, but also help kids. Yep. So I think the thing with not having that certainty and the cortisol being high. We wanna do two things, really. One, we want to find ways to create that certainty. So you mentioned a couple different layers, right? So one of those would be um, a big one, which we can get into more, is creating a new routine, right? Even if you appreciate being home now instead of away, you still need to create a new routine to give yourself the certainty, right? You need to focus on things that you do know, right? We don't know what will happen next week, right? We don't know if we're gonna have to continue this um, being in quarantine for how much longer, but what we do know is what's gonna happen today, tomorrow, or the next day, right? And so as a result of that, we need to focus on those things that we do know, um, as opposed to letting our brain get waylaid and put more cortisol throughout if we focus on the things that we don't know. So as simple as that sounds, it's all about, okay, what do I do now? Wake up and tell yourself, I know this, I can put a routine in place, I can create a schedule for my children, I can make sure they understand what's happening and how things are different right now. So it's really focusing on the certainty of the things that we do know. So that's one big thing. So if you all haven't heard it, Brene Brown has
0: a new podcast out, and I don't know the name of the podcast, but the series that it's called FFT. And for those who have children around, I won't say the first part, but you know what it is. Yep. First time, Uh, FFT, yes. Yep, that's right. Yeah. And she was talking about, I loved this. She talked, I listened to it yesterday, creating that certainty that you need to create... I'm going to talk kids for a second. Yeah. Creating that certainty. You, you want to create that routine for your kids, but not to the point where they have to rely on you for the certainty. So helping them create a routine or certainty that if you're not there, they would be fine without you. Yes. So um, routines for kids right now, and let's talk for us too, but routines for kids right now is what?
1: So Like getting up and making your bed? or Right, right. I think it's literally scheduling out things. I think, for example... Um, I did a, I scheduled something with my mom for my kids to have story time over FaceTime. Right. And so if you can say at eight 30 every day, we're going to do story time. And then at nine o'clock, we're going to start your schoolwork. And then at noon, we're going to have lunch and as simple and easy as it sounds, it's very calming to the brain. And it actually brings your cortisol levels down because you're getting rewarded because you know what's coming next. So even, you know, for adults too, like you and I talked about this. Uh, Maybe that means because you're not physically going to the office anymore, maybe it means you need to schedule 30 minutes to walk outside in the morning before you start your work. Or maybe it means you need to end your work at a certain point and say, yep, it's 5 o'clock, I've set my time, then I'm going to stop now. It's just little things like that.
0: Yeah, so I ended up putting my, I'm working in the kitchen, and I noticed I was cooking this week, and when I was cooking, I was checking email, and I had no time to unplug. So, the last two nights, what I did was I unplugged. I actually physically moved the computer into another room mm-hmm. and and separated it out. Yep. But it seems like my
1: work and day are blurring. Yep. Which, today, I got to tell you, I was tired. Yep. It really is hard. I mean, that's a whole other layer, too, of that. Um, creating that separation and your energy level is going to be more depleted because the brain tires with use. And so the more that you integrate all of these things, it becomes like one big week long of the same stuff happening. The more that you can create that separation to give yeah. your brain the breaks, it's really important to maintaining your sanity. Okay.
0: So what are other ways that you can give yourself boosts in cortisol? Yep. Because, okay, first of all, food, alcohol, negative things for yeah. us, I'm sure, have start shopping. Right, Hello. Right, right. right so right.
1: what can we do for some
0: healthy cortisol boosts?
1: Yeah. So we want to reduce the cortisol, right? The cortisol is oh, a sorry. negative. Yep, I knew you meant that. Um it's it's stressful, right? So how can so the biggest thing I would say is the antidote to cortisol is any reward chemical, which can happen in a number of ways. So for example um, and these are not new things, by the way. But I think again, back to knowing what's happening in the brain to give you the reasoning why to actually follow through with it, and why it's actually helpful for you. One thing could be, you know, daily gratitudes, like this is silly, I'm sure we all have group check texts that we're on with chats with five, six, 10 people, whatever it is. And I, you know, someone in my group started a daily win, right, like pound daily win, and they're sharing something positive, And that makes me feel good. Because I'm like, Oh, that's awesome. You have that experience. And then I'm finding myself scanning my brain for what when did I have today that I want to share, right? And so that's kind of like a daily gratitude that you can boost that gives you a reward. It's dopamine that is in your brain. Um, That's very helpful. And so that actually naturally will bring down that cortisol. Um, Another thing, and this is another topic, if you will, about the brain that I think is relevant is this idea that we are wired for social connection. um, And it's also a very basic need. There's a, there's a um, social cognitive neuroscientist named Matthew Lieberman who studies basically the interaction of two brains. So he's really interested in understanding how do we impact each other? And he has written a book called Social, and he talks about, he's, you know, that Maslow's hierarchy of needs, and I should yes. know what those five are. I know it starts with like basic needs, right? And I think social's in the middle, and then self-actualization's at the top. I can't remember yeah. all those in between, but... Either way, he's positing that your social needs are just as bit more fundamental than actually your basic needs of food and shelter, which sounds a little bit crazy, um, but he really talks about that for two reasons. One, um, we have a default network that our brain goes into uh, that we call it like a daydreaming mode. It's a social cognition network. And basically that is on, it flips on all the time. Even right now, as you're concentrating and listening to me, it's very natural for your brain to suddenly like, boop, wander off into this or that. And that's actually your default network, which is the same circuitry as your social network. So all that to say is that I think he talks about by the time you're 10 years old, you have spent over 10,000 hours in that network. So we're experts in it. It's hugely critical to us. Um, and so that's one of the reasons that we're just overly we're social and we have this social need that we have. The other piece, very similar to the certainty, is that this need to connect with people is another, is the basic need that um, it's rewarding when we do connect and it's painful when we don't. So there's a little bit of social isolation going on, right? Um, Yeah. And so even the face to face of me being able to look into your eyes on a video camera is much more powerful and will give me a boost of a reward chemical called oxytocin, which is a bonding chemical that is something that um, we need to strive to find those connection points in different ways today.
0: So is it more important that we try to connect via like a FaceTime or a Zoom versus a phone call? Exactly.
1: Yeah, I would say from the levels of text is probably the lowest. It's good to still text with people. But the next um, thing above that, I would say if you can actually talk on the phone and hear voices, the next above that would be video like this, right? I mean, we, um, I had a virtual scavenger hunt that I did with my kids and some of the kids from school, their school where we were doing the same activity in our own yard, but then we shared the output of that. And we had the kids kind of present to each other, hey, look at the leaves I found and the stick that's bigger than me and da-da-da. And so that is a way that I'm trying to help build social connection for my children um, because they crave it. They need to physically see other people, right? I mean. You can see it's such a basic innate need based on how our kids are reacting, but you as adults, we can feel that too, right? So my a friend of mine, Michaela
0: Heakin is on this and she was sharing with me that she thinks when this is all over and done, that kids will have different connections than they did before. They were all on their devices and right. perhaps they're gonna wanna crave more one-to-one connection because they had it, they didn't have it and then it, it returns. Thoughts on yes. that?
1: Yeah. You know, I love that point that um, we have a unique opportunity here. And this kind of goes back to the question you asked about how can we create the moments to put the reward chemicals in our body and reduce the cortisol? You know, thinking of those positive things that we have more space now, right? I know in some cases, we're even more busy for the people that are working full time and managing their kids full time. But at the same time, we're all home together now. We have the ability to connect in different ways than we ever have before. We don't have sporting events. We don't have after-school things. We don't have evening activities for work. And so to your point, I think this is an opportunity for us to all capitalize. And I would love it if everyone listening could think of one new thing that they want to add that's positive because they actually have the space to do it right now. If they can work to add that every day for the next however many days we're going through this such that they build it as a habit. So when we go back to normal, we actually can keep it. I think that is such a huge opportunity for us. So um, so that's, that's absolutely, and, and that's probably different for everyone, right? Like you mentioned the idea of the children connecting differently. Yeah. I think of like meditation as another great opportunity, right? Like, oh, I don't have time to meditate. Well, maybe we do have time now, right? Let's build in 10, 15 minutes in the morning to do that, right? And yeah. then once you've built that brain muscle, the habit to doing it, then hopefully it means when things get a little bit busier again, you'll be able to maintain it.
0: Uh, so that day that I texted you and texted some other girlfriends, I also reached out to these two startup folks who are always thinking about new ideas. And I said, well, what do you think is going to be the next new idea or business that comes from this? Uh and we should be on the lookout for it because I think a lot of cool new services are going to come about. And one of them said definitely more with meditation. So the breathe apps, the Headspace apps. Yeah. I, so I do. I use breathe that I love, and I frankly had the best, the best. Uh, meditation of my life. Like, I almost think I had nirvana, but I didn't. But the other day, I feel like, seriously, I got
1: such relief from it. I wouldn't have had that before. Yeah. Probably because you're truly, like, unplugged and relaxed as well. It helps it. But it's so huge. Or I was just so heightened with anxiety that then when I did it, (laughs) it it brought me down. You know, there was an article that came out um, a few weeks back that uh, was about Steve Jobs, and they did an analysis of his brain. And I, don't, I think he was maybe, I'm going to get the numbers wrong, but maybe he was 56 when he died, and they showed that his brain was out of 27-year-olds, something like that. Pretty significant. And it's because he meditated every day, um, multiple times really? a day. And so there's a whole lot, and we could probably go into a whole other discussion on that, but yeah. there's a lot of brain benefits to meditating, Um, and I think that it's something I know it's becoming, it's a little less woo woo and people are starting to become a little more mainstream with it. And so I would encourage you to, whether it's Headspace, Calm, I actually use, um, an app or it's not an app. It's a technique called Ziva, Z-I-V-A. Yes. Um, You were telling me um, about this. Tell this to,
0: tell about, tell this to everybody.
1: Yeah. This is something I'd recommend just going and looking at Zivaonline.com, Z-I-V-A. Um, it's called Transcendent Meditation, So it's a little bit different, Um, not that she's invented it. She just, um, you know, took one and uh, lived um, in India for a few years and came back and has sort of bringing it over to us now. Um, But basically it is, she has like a three part triangle almost that she calls mindful, meditation and manifesting. And so the mindfulness is very similar to what we do with Headspace or Calm, where it's sort of like trying to get the thoughts out and just calm, quiet your brain. Her actual meditation piece is something she calls transcendent meditation, which um, is really de-exciting the nervous system and bringing your brain state. It's engaging your entire brain, but it's bringing the brain state down. So um, so it's a very – it's a Is little it bit a, through mantras? Like is it TM yep, or Exactly. Yep. And so basically it's uh, mantra-based. So you start with a, a few minutes of mindful meditation, which is the breathing and the trying to quiet your thoughts. Um, and then she gets into the actual medita- meditation piece, which she – does with the mantra so you kind of continually repeat a mantra and then the end is sort of a manifestation which is what do you want to be true in your world or could be gratitudes, it could be prayers whatever it is that you're ending on a positive of what you want to become in your life so um, it's really powerful so I'd say that's something I would highly recommend um, to create that space for it because um, even though I know we're still busy I think if we can see the winds and create some of those positive moments and capitalize on them and keep with them for two, three weeks, um, then that will give you a better chance to keeping that and maintaining it once you go back into our normal routine, right? Yeah. So if
0: you were to give a like couple-sentence blurb on the message here around uncertainty, yeah. and what, what would that be? Whether it's people listening right now, talking to their kids or their spouse or a friend, what's the biggest
1: learning? So I'm just going to give it one quick sentence on not having certainty is extremely threatening to the brain and produces cortisol, which is a stress chemical, which causes a lot of negativity. Um, The way in which you can try and add certainty in, I think the two big things would try and create routines and focus on what you do know. So there's never a time that we know everything. And we certainly are at a time where we don't know a lot. But we, there are also a lot of things that we can focus on that we do know. I was with a client last week um, who's actually on. I see her. But um, she uh, shared how her team, she's trying to lead her team. And she shared how her team was like, well, I don't know what's going to happen. In three weeks, we're supposed to do this and this. And she's like, we don't know what's going to happen. Let's not talk about that right now. Let's talk about what we're going to do this week right? And so that's an example of focusing on what you do know. And that's very calming to the brain, right? That feels good. So
0: I mean, everybody that listens to my podcast knows I'm in a 12 step program. And that's very 12 step program based, which is focus on the present. Yes, let's not worry about tomorrow, Mm -hmm. because the brain will tend to go there. But focus on the present. And right now I'm okay.
1: Right now the sun is shining in Cincinnati, Ohio, which is pretty great. Yes. Yeah. So to your point, I think it's focus on what you do know, seek to create routines and share them, right? So whether it's for your children, whether it's with your spouse, whether it's with people that you interact with regularly, I think it's important to just, what does that new routine look like, right? And it's being very explicit with the things that seem very simple, but what am I doing lunch, right? And also like getting up, making your bed, getting dressed, you know, doing those normal things that you can tend to fall out of when you're not having to go into the office. Um, So I think it's just the more that you can, do the routine and follow it, that's again, certainty. Your brain is checking off in its list. Like, Ooh, I just did this. And I said, I was going to do that. Right. I did whatever I'd scheduled. Um, and it, even though it seems a little bit over the top, it's actually providing that certainty and it's helping calm the brain, giving it reward chemicals as opposed to the negative stress chemical of cortisol.
0: Uh, would you recommend staying away from anything that tends to cause an increase in cortisol?
1: You know, that's a great, great point. So one of the things I think that's probably high on that list would be engaging in media, right? Such a common thing. We all are in an information gathering mode, but I think it's also stressful because we're, we're grasping to try to understand what are our, what's our leadership saying, whether it's Donald Trump or our local governor or whatever it is. Um, and I think it's important to sort of time box that into as small amount of t- as you can, right? So it would be so easy to throw on CNN for three hours and just peruse it. But the reality is you can probably get the nuggets you need out of it by asking a friend what the synopsis is, looking at a website to see what the latest, instead of sitting there and dwell. So to your point. Yeah, I would
0: think also having that television running while you have other people or children in the household is not a good idea too.
1: No, exactly. I think just kind of trying to limit that. That could also be built into your routine, 30 minutes of veg time, whatever that looks like, right? Do you think it affects my pets? I'm just kidding. We're not going to go there. (laughs) That's a great question. Do not know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right. So um, any other things that you want to share with the group or you want to open it up to questions? Let's open to
1: questions and then we can see where it goes from there.
0: Okay. So Adrian has texted us some questions. All right. My boyfriend does not want to video call with me. How
1: do I talk to him about that? So don't know if you want to be as avert as this, but I think it's helpful to say, listen, I'm feeling a lot of anxiety and stress, and I think it'll comfort me um, to do that. And now, again, this goes back to the whole point of, if you know about what your brain needs, you can seek to give it that. And so it's just as simple as, gosh, my brain needs to, to emotionally connect with you, and I need to do that by seeing you physically um, in the absence of not being able to be with you physically. And so I think maybe just pleading that way of just, I know this is something my brain needs, would you be willing to do, try it for X amount of time? And I hopefully the benefit would be when they actually can go do that, even if it's for five minutes, hopefully he'll feel that benefit too, right? Because it is oxytocin, that bonding reward chemical that gets released when you are doing that. And so yeah. hopefully then that reward will be enough where it feels good, where he's like, okay, I'll do it again.
0: Okay. Somebody said, my daughter has lost motivation and interest in schoolwork since her school moved to online learning. How can I help her? She's in high school, by the way, ninth grade.
1: Okay. Okay. Um, again, this is so hard because she's probably missing the discussions with people and just sitting side by side with someone. So just like you asked Sarah, the clarification of instead of texting with someone, I mean, are they video chatting? Hopefully. If they're not, I would highly suggest doing video. Um, you know, Texting is not talking even. So even if it's you can't do video, but even physically talking on the phone. Um, I mean, I heard from a friend the other day, they were hiking in Alt Park and they said they saw a group of high school kids playing cards on a bench with gloves on and all, like they were kind of doing the whole like sun, enough distance. And so I think when you can be creative and just try and infuse some time um, to get them connected. The other thing is, if they can't video chat directly, I think it's even if I think you made a suggestion earlier when we were talking even getting outside and going for a walk and being out in the air and changing your environment, that's going to uplift your mood. So I think what will happen is if there are uplifting times in the day that are helpful, then, when it comes to doing the schoolwork, the motivation will come up more than it would have had she not had other activities that are positive and connecting. What are the ways you suggest we connect with our kids? I think we have such an amazing opportunity right now, um, I know there's a amount of schoolwork to be have happening. I would argue that the social connection of playing games with them, um, I'm building Legos with my kids every day, like literally a yeah. whole Lego set every day, which is ridiculous. But I think as much as we can get this social connection with them, whether it's playing games, doing puzzles, going outside, going for walking the dog as a whole family, not just as you, anything you can do to just physically be with someone with your kids. I know that we probably feel stressed, like, are my kids learning enough because, you know, you're not a teacher and they're not in this classroom setting. But the social learning is so critical as well. And the more that you give them that basis and that foundation, I think that's going to pay dividends. And it makes them feel rewarded and makes them feel good. And by the way, when you feel rewarded from a random activity, whether it's going for a walk, which gives you endorphins, which are also positive chemicals, that is going to carry over to the next thing that you're doing, even if it's something that you're dreading doing, right? So the more, again, thinking about that, think of a teeter-totter of like cortisol up here. And the more that you do something good, positive, it's like a, it's the antidote of that as any reward chemical. And by the way, it's so easy to get those reward chemicals going in our body, right? We've talked about so many ways to do that. So if we can just fixate on that, whether it's thinking of something you're happy about, sharing something you, a win you had, all of that stuff is causing you to produce those reward chemicals.
0: I also think um, painting or journaling is really important. I don't know if yep. it was you or somebody else that told me that writing has that direct. I think it was
1: you. Yeah. yeah. Share that. Yes. So, um, and I'm not a, on my phone. I'm just pulling these, um, questions. questions. Up from yeah, no worries. yeah. Um, th- there is a level of it increases your processing fluency and your ability to think through whatever you're writing about. If you're physically writing it, when you're typing, it's a little bit, um, tough because you suddenly get into formatting and your mind starts to jump around a little bit. If you physically journal things and write things, it allows you to actually stop and think more deeply about whatever it is you're writing about. So Um, journaling is another great way of sort of processing that anxiety or stress again, not a new recommendation, right? But I think knowing what it's doing for your brain should give you the reason to why to actually say, you know what, I am going to take five minutes and just do it today. So
0: it's not in, none of these things are new recommendations, but now it's like people are feeling the pain. So they're like, they'll think, okay, I might as well try it. Right.
1: And, right. and again, it's like knowing the science behind it, It's like, oh, this is how I'm actually helping my brain. And that help that you're giving it in one area is going to continue to carry over to other areas. All right.
0: Let's 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 uh, get to Sarah's question. It was any suggestions, uh, this is another Sarah, Yeah. any I- suggestions for families with kids on how to build structure and predictability without being too rigid? She's trying to balance flexibility, free time structure, and she's struggling with what's best.
1: Well, I, I love that question. I mean, I think back to the routine, right? So there's, I think maybe you can set the bounds of what you're comfortable with to say between these five hours of the day, I'm going to schedule that. But I also think you can even say, hey, here's an hour. What do you want this to be? At, involve them in it, right? What do you want to create? Get them to do some thinking about it. And that they take ownership of it that way, right? The brain yeah. loves novelty and the brain loves to, um, you know, if, if you're trying to get someone to do something and they're not feeling motivated, The best way to do it is to get them to come to the conclusion due to themselves, And so it's maybe giving them the onus. When you Um, say that brain loves novelty, what do you mean by that? So um, if it's, you know, we're in a little bit of novelty right now where... I'm used to going into my school and doing XYZ and having these expectations of me, and now it's slightly different um, being at home. And so we need to capitalize on the positive side of that, say, so anything that's new, even like the novelty of a new text coming in, if there's something that um, the brain actually releases dopamine in the anticipation of learning what is coming. And so that's what I mean about the novelty. And so it's a really interesting thing where as long as it's not too big of doses, right? Like you don't want it to be back to that uncertainty of like what's going to happen next month, well, that's threatening and scary because it's too big. But if we can create small mini things of, hey, maybe I've got a routine and I'm saying eight to nine is this and I have 10 to 12 is open. What do you want to do in those two hours? What would be beneficial? right? Let them kind of define what that looks like and what would bring them. And maybe even ask the questions like, what would bring you joy? Like, What would be a good thing that would offset some of this other tough stuff you're doing and get them to think about it? I think
0: too, what would you like me to do with you? Or what would you like to do, you know, with your siblings, whatever it might be?
1: Yeah, that's actually a great point. Back to the other person that talked about that connect. How do I connect more with my kids? I think even um, there's a parenting technique that we've used where it's, um, and I know the science behind it, so that's why I like to do it, is if you can even strive to spend 10 minutes a day with each child on divided attention and do ask the question what you said, what do you want to do with this time? How do you want to spend it? And you don't tell them what you're doing, but ask them to define it. They are so filled up from even 10 minutes, which sounds ridiculous. Um, But I think that's something that's really powerful. And you can see a marked difference in behavior when you do that. And that's because you're giving them a choice. And to piggyback
0: on that, I'm sure everybody here has read that being of service to others is a dopamine boost for ourselves. Thank you. Giving of ourselves to others, I think, is, is another reward
1: that's a huge one. Thank you for bringing that up. I should have brought that up earlier when you kind of asked the blanket question. Another huge one is just as small as it is, it doesn't have to be, I have to make a full meal for my neighbor, but it could be, hey, I'm going to go knock on my neighbor's door and just leave them a little something on on there or just pay them a compliment, whatever it is, or like, hey, I went to the store, I picked up three extra of these and I'm leaving it for you, right? Um, whatever you're comfortable with. I realize that there's some sanitary stuff with that too, right? Yeah. But um, whatever, whatever you're comfortable with, I think if you do something nice for someone else, and this goes back to our need to connect and our basic wiring of needing to connect, it's a double whammy in a positive way when you do something nice for someone. So Sarah, if I, if I go out of my way and drop your favorite cookie off for you, right, um, during this time, I feel good because, and I'm getting oxytocin because I'm doing something nice for someone else. We were wired this way because it actually increased our chances for survival back in the today of the proverbial saber-toothed tiger, right? Where if we work together against a threat, we are more likely to survive. So that's why our our body produces that oxytocin. But the powerful thing is back to the cookie I drop off, you feel good about too. So we're both getting a reward chemical based on one thing I'm doing, right? And it probably, if you pay that whole pay it forward thing, that's why it works so well is someone does something nice for you, you are more likely to want to pay it forward and do something nice for someone else, right? It doesn't have to be back to the person that gave it to you, but that's a huge thing. So I've seen so much wonderful um, work for people that, whether it's someone that's elderly, or I see posts of like, let's close on the stores and let them have an hour without anyone else in there, or just people thinking about someone else other than themselves is going to help bring that cortisol down as well and give you the reward boost.
0: So everybody listening add to the chat, what are some things that you've done or that you've seen others do that you know boosts that reward chemical in the brain? Because I'd love to see some of that. Because Sarah and I are just two people, but all of your ideas are amazing. Okay, here's our next question. Are there any certain vegetables or fruits that help with stress? Well,
1: I don't know. I wouldn't say stress specifically. But what I do know is um, there are a number of what I call brain foods, right? So um, I think when you can, like, for example, with fruits like blueberries, dark, dark grapes, um, there's certain things that are, um, and you could probably, I could probably find something and we could post it afterwards of kind of brain foods. So there are a number of things that are helpful um, for your brain health. And it's even a little bit of, you um, you want to maintain the right level of glucose in your brain to have the logical thinking be optimized. And so, um, there certainly are, I don't know about the stress specifically, but there are certainly, and you can probably all guess this, right? That like whatever, if you're eating highly sugary things, um, that's going to give you a quick spike and it's going to fall, bottom out. So you want to try and eat as nutritiously as you can, um, things from the ground, right? Fruits, vegetables, or natural, organic things um, obviously are going to help you with your health and your brain health alongside.
0: Okay, so I'm cracking up because I'm seeing some of the answers. And first I of saw all, that. I love I the, saw the that. sex love it, yeah. one. That is amazing. Yep. And that is true. Yep. I have been given a prescription I love it. to have hey, more sex. Oxytocin is really when you have sex. yep.
1: yep. That's right. <laughs> there
0: it is. Okay. So that was so what else? great. What else? What other suggestions? Some of the other ones they're saying is, oh, having my daughter walk the dog of an older friend of mine that just had surgery. I love that. And then this one is, we've been doing love ninja missions where we secretly drop something off on people's doorsteps and run. Our kids are getting the biggest kick out of it. And every morning at breakfast, we come up a
1: pl- with a plan of who we're going to, who's going to be our next victim. It's amazing. And if you can keep that, when you go back to your new routine, keep it. It's amazing, right? It's such, a, such an inspirational thing. Yeah. And look what you're teaching your children, yeah. right? Like they're learning that, that wonderful thing too. That's really cool. I love That's it. That's awesome. Any questions that we have not asked
0: Sarah that you guys would love to know? Oh, wait, somebody texted me separately. Thank you, Tiffany. She said one thing that she's doing is trying new recipe ingredients that she doesn't usually use. Dave and I have been doing that too. Actually, he's been cooking more, and I love it. It's amazing. And we never yes. would have done that before. I love it. Oh, here's another question. Thank you, Karen. I'm sorry we didn't see that. She said, I've noticed that extended screen time increases physical fatigue, such as migraines, eye strain, et cetera. How do we deal with this when it's necessary that we're on our computers for multiple hours a day?
1: I think taking breaks from it, if you can, um, taking breaks with physical, like like walking outside, seeing the sun. um, It's it's so tough because um, the brain does tire with use and the technology is such a, I mean, it's like a double-edged sword, right? It's a wonderful thing. Obviously, it's helping us in these times, but there is a lot of negative impacts of it as well. So um, I think it's just creating some boundaries that you're comfortable with. Like I would challenge to say, do you really have to be on hours on end or are there other creative ways to get around that, right? Like, I, I don't know what those specifics are that they're having to be on for, whether it's for work meetings or if it's for school stuff, but I would say that push the boundaries and let them know that that's how it's affecting and come up with a solution. I have a different idea of how to do it, right? Maybe it means taking a break and spacing it out a bit more or just trying to eliminate those things that aren't absolutely necessary.
0: Um, I, today I took like a 30 minute nap and it was amazing. Not everybody can nap in the middle of the day. I know somebody, he works at Fifth Third, I will not say his name, but he would go to the Mercantile Library every day in the afternoon, take a 30-minute power nap,
1: and then go back to work. It's actually very brain healthy for you. It recharges you. So do you know there are a lot of companies that have nap rooms now? Have you heard of this? I think 8451 here locally has it for sure. One of my clients. Yep. What? Yeah. I would use that every day.
0: All right, here's another question. Um, advice for helping kids deal with the loss of things like prom or graduation.
1: That is such a hard one. I do feel like I've said this so many times that this is a blip for a lot of people. It will be a blip. I know it feel like it right now in the yeah. middle, but I do feel my heart goes out to those that are in the one-time stage, right, where it's like one chance. Um I know it's so hard. I think trying to figure out what special moment you can give them, asking them what would make it better, kind of to your point earlier, asking them for how could we give you something that might not be a replacement of it, but that would feel good for you. Um, and it will have to obviously be after the fact, right? I think we have to get really creative with that. That's so hard.
0: You know what else um, my nirvana meditation that I said I had the other night was the point of it was just sitting in the disappointment. And so I think I love when Brene Brown has talked about just sitting with a friend when they're upset about something. Yeah. So I think even with their kid, even if they're sad about it, acknowledging, of yeah. course, you're going to be sad about it. And I'm going to sit with you in this.
1: Yeah, I agree. It's it's so powerful because sometimes people don't want the answer. They just want you to sit with them, right? And and empathize with them. So you're right. The other thing, and this is going to sound, I hope it doesn't sound cold in the middle of it, but- um, that is gonna make them stronger in the long run, right? Life is full of disappointments, and life's not fair, and we all know that. Um, and it's hard going through the experience, but out of that, down the road, I'm sure they'll grow in different ways um, than they would have had they not had that happen to them.
0: So. Yeah. Well, girl, that's what Failing Forward's all about.
1: That's right, exactly. I know. So I think
0: that was a perfect close, and I just wanna say thank you, Sarah, for being on here today for our first ever live podcast. I also wanna thank again to Gwyn Sound for making this all possible. They literally put the lavaliers, dropped them off, but put them through my mailbox yesterday. So thank you. And thanks for your questions. If you have any other questions uh, or you want to reach out to Sarah, we'll have that in the show notes so you can grab that as well. In order to keep the show going and growing, we need the help of great advertisers. But we want to make sure these partners are people you actually want to hear from. So, we need to learn a little bit more about you. Please go to failforwardpod.com/survey and take an anonymous survey that will help us get to know you better. Again, that's failforwardpod.com/survey. I want to thank our sponsor Corporate Consciousness and everyone behind the scenes, especially Adrian Donica and the team at Gwyn Sound. Also, please find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn at failforwardpod.